Minus three is presented for the people by Caesar Sportsbook, the greatest sports betting app of all time. Download it. Must be 21 or older. Missed it. And the Huskies survive. At the 46. Hurts facing a four-man rush over the middle. It's intercepted. Picked off by Tony Adams. Adams on the run. Breaking tackles. Tossed down inside the 10. A second and 10. SC needs points for the conclusion of this first half. Williams pressured. Retreats and out goes another interception. It's Benjamin Morrison who rises. And picks it off right there in the sky. Moody. No good. Minus three. With Dave Damashek. Yes, another football weekend in the books. Hi and hello and welcome to Minus Three. Presented as ever by Omaha Damashek. 10 and 3 through Sunday night in week six in pre pro football against the spread. That makes me now 18 over on the season. And yet, I probably didn't have as good a weekend as the man behind the glass, Eddie Spaghetti, there, his fighting Irish, pulled what isn't, I guess, nominally an upset. The fighting Irish were giving points to USC. Nevertheless, I was stunned. Want to hear about that. Also, we have coming up in just a minute for sort of a universal look at where we are six weeks through pro football. Chris Carter, one of the great X and O guys that you can find in newspapers and in social media and otherwise doing great work at the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette and on YouTube, breaking down the Steelers and beyond. Want to get his thoughts on where we are in terms of quarterback relationship with offensive coordinator and trying to blame assess or credit assess as we look at the 32 teams scoring is not down at this point eddie spaghetti in pro football but then again this is the period the first half of any nfl season is when offenses win so if you do a year-to-year comp and say scoring at this point even among the top 10 teams is about on par with where it finished last year. That's because the second half of most NFL seasons, the defenses rise up and diminish scoring as it gets colder and rainier, kind of like what we saw in Cleveland there. And I got to say so far this pro football season, thank goodness for the Miami dolphins, because otherwise what exactly would we be talking about? It's been kind of lame. And I don't mean, you know, I'm not watching it or or like uh, I'm ready to turn the channel. I, you know, it's pizza. Football is pizza in that, you know, it can be like mediocre or bad, but you still, still pretty good. You'll still have it over most anything else in life. And that's what it is. Thank goodness for the dolphins though, kind of skewing things and making it feel a little more entertaining. How say you, I mean, like spaghetti, how take the chiefs as a, for instance, they're the best team. They're the reigning champ. Everybody's talking about Mahomes, and they're not talking about him. They're talking about the tight end, dating the the pop star. But do they feel special as a football team this year? Offensively, it's the defense that's carrying the day, right? Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, teams well, are good, but not great. 
I I made this point uh, on I can't remember if it was even our show or if it was maybe trendy last week with Toby, but I was like, yeah, people with the Chiefs, people are overlooking the Chiefs. I know it was an ugly game on TNF. They still won. They still covered. Um, I think it's the fault of everyone. Our brains. I think we're in this new age of social media. We want instant gratification, and I think the NFL media has taken a weird turn where it's like they are so prisoner of the moment. So I guess this is my attack on the NFL media here, but it's just like. We only have seen one team finish a uh, completed season undefeated. That's the 1972 Dolphins. Obviously, the Patriots had a regular season that was undefeated, but they lost to my Giants. This doesn't ha- teams don't go undefeated. So like when the when the uh, the 49ers lose a game to the Browns and if they because they missed the field goal from their rookie kicker, it's like, OK, well, if they hit the field goal, they win. They're undefeated. So they're playing a game in Cleveland. I know it's a backup quarterback, but the, the weather conditions are yeah, terrible. That's the point. And the Browns that's are the the, and the Browns are a great defense. So like if the Eagles lose, it's like, yeah, the Jets were missing guys, too. The Jets have a fantastic defense and they are still a great team across the board. Sans quarterback. So I'm not. And they also have been playing a lot of close games anyway which is why i did pick them uh this week in our picks but uh for the jets to cover but i i just to me i guess i see things i'm like looking at the macro view it's i know it's a long 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 season so if the chiefs are winning uninspiring games if the 49ers slip up in an ugly condition game versus the browns who have a great defense like i said if the eagles have a rough game where hurts was a bunch of interceptions they lose to a great defense at, on the road versus the jets like it's okay because we have this 18 weeks in a season and we have a long playoffs and it's like, this is supposed to happen. It does not happen. We see teams going, no team scores 40 points a game, shuts up their opponent and goes undefeated. So like, I don't know why we see this happen in sports. Now one's like power rank. Who's actually the best team now? It's like, they're the same. It's the same. It's the same. I don't care about, you know, I don't care about NFL. Yeah. Not you, but stupid. I know that it's the standings are all that matter when there is an existing structured uh, that depends upon what your win loss record is, not what anybody's opinion is. Uh, it, it's a weird rolling conversation. I do, you know, the Eagles though, they're, they empirically are not as good as where they were a year ago. The bills aren't. And that I, you know, people, the thing that I'm already resentful of, but you saw it play out Colts fans. I know people were excited about Anthony Richardson, but every fan base would get excited of like, oh, we got Gardner Minshew with the mustache and the zany videos and everything. Here's one thing you can you can set your watch to. The backup QB is a pumpkin. And I'm not saying that because we're in the month of October. You they are going to turn in a into a pumpkin. They could play a good game. They could play a good three games, but they're backups for a reason. And if you start thinking like, oh, I don't know, maybe PJ Walker's the answer. I do think it's hysterical that the Browns' signature wins of the last four years are Stefanski in the basement when the Browns beat the Steelers in the playoff game, and now Deshaun Watson in street clothes while they beat the undefeated 49ers in the reign of Cleveland. Pretty funny, and I think perhaps revealing about the team, but that doesn't mean P.J. Walker is better than Deshaun Watson or should be the answer going forward for the Browns. Obviously, it is fascinating, though, these defenses kind of rising up and stealing games. And maybe the answer to the question I I said to you 10 minutes ago is the New York Jets are the feel good story. It's weird because there are a lot of unlikable qualities with that team. But, man, they're three and three. And, you know. It's funny because I said six weeks ago when the season started, I'm like, what's the guarantee that Aaron Rodgers is going to have him at four and two or three and three even? Look at the gauntlet that they have to start the season. They're three and three with Zach Wilson. It's, it's, it's kind of impressive. And by the way, 
when I'm wrong, I say I'm wrong, like Jerry Orbach. To this point, my question was about Bob Sala. I was like, are we sure that he's the guy? Whatever he's doing six weeks through is working. They're relevant in the AFC playoff chase. The Jets have a real chance. I don't know if Aaron Rodgers is going to play with that Achilles, but those videos are wild to see him out there. I don't know if that's plausible or if a doctor is going to clear him to get out there. But then again, that's the beauty of being Aaron Rodgers. He will ignore what doctors say anyway, right? Hey, um, before we get to Chris Carter and and, uh, talk some offensive coordinators and quarterback, very quickly, Spaghetti, signature win, Washington, Oregon, a wonderful game, as we've been saying now for a month, best conference in college football this year, weirdly, is the Pac-12, even though the signature brand in that conference got dumped by your guys up in South Bend. I was a doubter once again. When I'm wrong, I say I'm wrong. Explain spaghetti. What the hell? Well, I'm I I was wrong too. Uh, when I get ultra negative, I just can't see the path for my team to win. So that's why I was picking it against them. But obviously, you know, SC is very flawed defensively. They haven't really been tested this year. I mean, they should have probably lost that game to Arizona in, in the double overtime. Um, Notre Dame is way better at home. Sam Hartman's way better at home. Uh, Marcus Freeman has now tied Brian Kelly in a year and a half after versus Brian Kelly's 12 year career in top 10 uh, wins uh, at home in Notre Dame State. Stadium, which wow. is uh, remarkable. So mm. uh, for people who are saying, like, is he on the hot seat? It's like, well, no, because he's winning at a, a way higher clip than Ryan Kelly and out recruiting him. Too. Well, but if they got hammered, I mean, obviously, sure, they, sure, they sure. Then, but but people were saying, incredible. That, yeah. And I, and you started saying like great week. And for me, it's like, this might've actually been the worst weekend because of the win versus SC, because you win the game and then you, and then it's over with. And now you're like, all right, well now what the season's over, you have two losses. And if we know anything about the the committee in college football, if Notre Dame just ran the ball three straight times versus Ohio State, they beat Ohio State. And even if you drop that game versus Louisville, who was you know ranked at the time number 25 on the road, but you beat SC and you beat Ohio State and you beat Duke. And then obviously down the road, you have to beat Clemson and a few other teams. Um, the committee goes, well, we don't really care about your loss. We care about who you beat. And that's how their their theme has been the last few years. So clearly, well, I'll Notre tell Dame you what, here's the team. interesting what if about Notre Dame to this point. Obviously, they still have to beat Clemson and uh, some other good teams. But if they had lost the Louisville game, but beaten Ohio State and USC, I think right now you would make a case because USC, they bumped them out of the final four. The Notre Dame obviously would then be ahead of them. But I think you would make a case right now, like, well, you got to put Notre Dame in the final four. If they put 100%. It, you, you, that without, would be without, the bus because you would say Michigan. There's no, there's no team right at this mark of the season. There's no team Georgia. that has two better wins because other teams will have the attempt to match that but no other team like texas beat alabama you know they beat them but they they drop a game to oklahoma if texas beat oklahoma and they beat alabama you can make the argument that texas had the two best quality wins but notre dame beating ohio state and sc because they're home i guess it, it softens a little bit but no other team in the country georgia has not beaten two teams of that caliber um it, it, you know who else, uh, uh uh florida state has not really done they only had the once versus lsu but lsu hasn't looked that great so like these teams at the top have not done that yet Obviously, if Washington keeps going on their run, they have to make a case, but they 100% would have been in the mix for the for the playoff. And obviously, moving to the 12th team, whatever we do, um, two losses won't murder you as much as it used to be in the past. But um, yeah, it just stinks. And then you seeing that game, then Sunday, I don't know why I watched the Giants, but uh, I mean, a bonehead decision by your your backup quarterback, your veteran, who's you know 35 years old and should know this kind of stuff. It was the most frustrating weekend of football. He got shot. 
Or he got a shot at least when he was on the Chargers. Well, I just don't get, you know, back to the back of quarterback thing too, is, is saying like how it's not always like, oh, people are like, oh yeah, he's better than Dalen Jones. He's not. Dalen Jones, they would have won the game with Dalen Jones because Dalen Jones wouldn't have audibled to a run call with no timeouts with 14 seconds left, uh, especially when when Saquon was averaging like 0.7 yards per carry versus Buffalo. He would have had at least two passes to the end zone. And at worst, you end with a field goal and then a field goal gets you the win at the end of the game too. So again, this is like your job as a backup quarterback is to simply be so cerebral, understand the game in every facet. And he really, you know, people are mad at Dable flipping out. If I was head coach, I'd be flipping out too. You, you, the backup quarterback should be the trustworthy guy to know what to do uh, at all times. And he failed there miserably. There were some bright spots, but again, it's like bright spots. I get it, but Dable's winning. It's like, eh, who cares? It's a lost season. Backup in there, paradoxically, you've got to try to be a little more aggressive, not more conservative. And in the spot where they were at the end of the game, they just had to go for it. There, you're, you're just kidding yourself if you're day ball and being like maybe our defense will stop josh allen you knew that the bills were going to go down and get points so you gotta try to get it to 12 and then go for two and get it to 14 because you you, you knew where that thing was winding up it was it was stinking thinking it was fanciful yeah, thinking to think they should have ended with they way. should have ended the first half with points that's my i get my, it i'm just telling point. you where you were at that point in the fourth quarter dable does deserve so i completely get what you're saying but by the way I know we're going to hear a lot of it from Kevin Hench on Thursday, so I'm not going to do it now. But once again, the as responsible for some of the game results, the officials, and that includes uh, your game. Um, yeah. Cleveland game obviously was yes. impacted, I mean, directly by terrible calls on the last drive. Anyhow, we'll save that for Kevin Hench. Last thing on college football as a result of, uh, in part, of another great performance there by Michael Penix. And also his offensive coordinator, Ryan Grubb, who's going to be the big ticket item, I think, this offseason in college and maybe even in the NFL. Michael Penix now minus 140 to get the Heisman. Huge lead now on second place. Caleb Williams goes away. So now you have Dylan Gabriel. I I didn't pat myself on the back for that one two weeks ago. I told you he was going to have a big game and he would leave the Red River shootout as a Heisman, as a Heisman. Uh, as a legitimate Heisman candidate. And here he is in second place now, eight to one. But Penix running away with it here, which I do think by the letter of the law requires that if he gets it, he cuts it in halves and sends the one half of it to Indiana University. So I can have it sometimes when I pay a visit to Bloomington. All right. Um, Bottom line, I guess Penix is is the only play here. Although, this this Just quickly, just go back to what the the prison. How about Drake May? That's Drake, Drake May, May and, has and, been and on fire. The one, right? And I also like I, I, as I don't like Caleb Williams. I don't like USC. But again, a week ago, we're we're talking about these like anonymous reports from NFL scouts going like, you know, if he was in a draft with Trevor Lawrence and Joe Burrow or whoever else, he'd go ahead of them. Like guys, like you have to trade everything to draft this guy. And the minute he loses a game to a really good team uh, on the road, it's like, nope, nope, Heisman's gone. It's just like, why? I don't get the the reactionary stuff. And Penix is great, and it was a great win versus Oregon. It was a good defense under Dan Lanning, obviously. But um, I just, yeah, I mean, it, he's not saying he's not deserving, but it's just so crazy how it's just. Like, nope, hard right turn away from Caleb Williams. All about Penix now. Strange sports media times we live in. I suppose you're right. Okay, you know what? Let's dig in on that, and we'll get some QB analysis next week. We're uh, we're slated to talk to our old pal Lance Zerline, one of the best in the business at evaluating QBs. We'll do that a week from today. Right now, though, let's talk to our guy on the banks of the Three Rivers, Chris Carter. 
Let me squeeze in a quick break here. You know, when the conversation turns tampers, I always go with my number one as Caesars. Let's talk about them a little bit, shall we? Tickets to the game, merch, meals at iconic restaurants, stays at Caesars Palace. All this can be yours when you bet with Caesars Sportsbook. Win or lose, every bet earns rewards credits, which you can redeem across the empire. Now, if you haven't started yet, register using this code. Listen up. Omaha full. The word Omaha and the word full. And then you place your first bet up to $1,250. If you win, great. If you keep those winnings, but if you lose, you'll get your stake back as a bonus bet. 21 and over only. Offer valid and must be physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Massachusetts, Maryland, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. New users and first $10 plus wager only. Must register with eligible promo code. Bet amount of qualifying wager. Returned only if wager is settled as a loss. Maximum bonus bet, $1,250. Bonus bet expires 14 days after receipt. Tier credits and reward credits will be added to account within seven days after qualifying wager settles. See Caesars.com slash promos for full terms. Void where prohibited. Know when to stop before you start gambling problem. Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. Colorado, Wyoming, Kansas, affiliated with Kansas Crossing Casino, call 1-800-522-4700. Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Louisiana, call 1-877-770-STOP. Licensed through Horseshoe, Bossier City, and Harris, New Orleans. Massachusetts, call 1-800-327-5050 or visit Gambling Helpline MA.org. Michigan, call 1 800 270 7117. Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Ohio, Pennsylvania, affiliated with Harris, Philadelphia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1 800 Gambler or West Virginia, 1 800 Gambler.net, New York, call 877 8 Hope NY or text Hope NY 467 369. With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results. Fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. Don't know much about marketing? No sweat. Constant Contact's writing assistance tools and automation features help you say the right thing at the right time, every time. Plus, you can send with confidence, knowing your emails are actually reaching your customers thanks to Constant Contact's best-in-class 97% deliverability rate. Tackle any challenge with Constant Contact's expert live customer support. Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And... Boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Hey, you'll keep hearing me say it until this month is complete. October is the best sports month on the calendar. We've got the puck 
NBA is just about back. So too is college football. I mean, college basketball, college football is here. Pro football is here. Fortunately, we are joined by a guy who can talk about just about all of it. I encourage you, nay, demand that you go and do exactly that. Check him out. Pittsburgh Post-Gazette talking about pit football, Steelers football. He's the host of really an essential must watch and or listen for self-proclaimed Steelers fans locked on Steelers. Um, he does the podcast and he co-hosts on WPXI channel 11 in Pittsburgh skylights, Friday night, college football, still deeply important in Southwestern Pennsylvania. Very much. He is Chris Carter. What's the poop fella? <laughs> Welcome to Minus three at long last. It's been, uh, you know, it's been three long years. I've been chasing you. Finally, we tracked you down. It's about time you had me back on the show, Dave. Just want to say that uh, I never got my call back to see if I could continue my reign of your uh, your your uh, your quiz show that you had me on because I, I beat Brian Batko and I was waiting right. for him to advance to the next round. So I'm pretty pumped about that. But uh, I love talking talking ball with you, Dave. So I'm very happy to be here. Well. First things first, that show was Mr. Lister, and that was a Spotify Live exclusive. Okay. But Eddie Spaghetti, make a note. I mean, this is in my head, but I'll surely forget it. Um, so as soon as football season ends, Mr. Lister comes back on minus three as a special boom, segment. Boom, we got to settle the hash. We had some real whizzes on there. Tim Benz was on as well. Oh, yeah. Um, I really here's something I want to do. With because you have a sunny disposition, relatively speaking, where Pittsburgh sports are concerned, Ben's skews more negative, and I've called him out on it. And then he gets upset with me about calling him out on it. <laughs> and, and, and we go back and forth in front of the public on social media. So he skews negative, you skew positive. What about if we did this segment periodically where you are the angel and devil on my shoulder? You're trying sure. to tell me the That'd good news, and he's telling me. That I'm getting over my, I think we should do that. So let's, we'll try that. That's for the future. In the meantime, we have a lot to talk about in, and and Chris Carter is one of the great X and O guys you can find on Thank social you. media telling you what's actually going down, who's at fault, who gets the credit for successful plays, failed plays, and otherwise, instead of all the pretentious people out there trying to do that. Um, looking up at uh, at YouTube TV uh, in the four box and and letting you know from his couch <laughs> in Toledo. Here's what I see. Listen to Chris Carter. He knows what he's doing. He's an actual expert on these things. Um, so uh, I want to get into you about what I'm seeing in football and 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 check out because there are some universal trends this football season. First things first, though. Your name is Chris Carter. I'd like yes, to sir. properly introduce you to. We call him Eddie Spaghetti on the show, but his real name <laughs> is Eddie Murphy. Whoa, I mean, that's why he's Eddie Spaghetti. Eddie Murphy, meet Chris Carter. What a weird thing. Is that this? I wonder how many times this has happened. Two people who have famous names, but aren't actually the person who most associate with that name meeting each other. <laughs> that have is a conversation wild. About, have a conversation between yourselves about like, how many times you've had dinner reservations and the maitre d' was disappointed to see you walk in instead of the Vikings, Chris Carter, or the comedian, Eddie Murphy. All right, Eddie, I got a good one. So about a year ago, maybe two years ago now, I think it was two years ago, 
we're heading into the Steelers 2021 season and Vikings. Chris Carter is a sports panelist on like good good morning football. And he says, Ben Roethlisberger stinks. He's done with the Steelers need to ship him out of there. I'm tired of him. I got death threats in my DMS for that. How dare you disrespect me? <laughs> I know where you live. And I was like, that's not me. Like, like it's not even close to like y'all. If y'all saw him on television, you can see that we are different people. And so, like, I've gotten that a lot. There's because there's other things he's said and done that have been different. One guy even accused me of having uh, some substance abuse problems, and I was like, sir, like, no, this is the wrong person. And also, I'm not the hot taker. I just think Dan Moore would serve well as a swing tackle. That's all. I mean, that's my hot exactly. take. You know? <laughs> Eddie Spaghetti, I've, I've never asked you that. I've known you for six, eight years now. I've never right. asked you. Have you ever walked in anywhere and been like, what what game you playing, kid? You're not Eddie Murphy. Not not my dad had a lot more of those issues, especially because obviously he's older and at the you know the peak of Eddie Murphy, the comedian mm-hmm. actor's powers were you know in the raw and delirious and all the movies that ensued, whatever. So he had more of a rough go with it with like either like car service or hotels for like business trip, whatever it was. And it was always like the uh. Oh, like that sort of reaction from the staff. Um, me personally, I would just get like crushed with like jokes and like football coaches back in the day would love to be like, just throw out lines from Rod or Lirius, And then kids would be like, Oh, your name's Eddie Murphy. Oh, this comedian, the Chris rock is better. Uh, why is your name that? Like, <laughs> and then, but like, I realized as I got older, um, a little bit in the beginning of high school, but not really at all. I went to a nerd school. And then the minute I got to college, everyone was just like doing their own thing, their own life. No one cared. So I got lucky that I didn't really experience anything, um, too bad about it. But I was friends with a kid in, in Boston university named, Named Kevin Dillon, uh, you know, same name as the actor from Entourage. So we were friends. So I was happy to have another friend with a famous <laughs> name. But uh, yeah, those are my stories. <laughs> That's what your friend group is based around. We all have famous names. That's where we connected. I like the idea that Chris Carter, there should be a show. There should be a debate show exclusively comprised of Chris Carter's. I don't think a comedy show of Eddie Murphy and Eddie Murphy. I don't know if that would go as well. But Chris Carter and Chris Carter. I mean, who wouldn't watch that? And you know what? I also wrote Count the me in for the Eddie Murphy and Eddie Murphy comedy hour, too. I'll watch that, too. <laughs> don't worry. Where are you I also wrote Carter? the X-Files for people, people, people who forget that right. one. Yeah. All right. So you're the, I guess we can call you the third most famous Chris. That ain't bad. Yeah, that's not bad. I'll take it. And now to bring it full circle, since you're covering Pitt these days, I went to the shoe in Columbus when um, when John Kinjemi had Ohio State on the ropes, top 10 Ohio State, but Keith Byers, their Heisman candidate, was on the shelf with a broken foot. Still, Pitt was up 7-3. Mark Brasco missed two 34-yard field goals in the game. The pit kicker at the time could have salted it away. Um, they go down the field and score on a third and goal or maybe even a fourth and goal from the one on a little out to Chris Carter to win the game 10-7 in the last minute. 85? Right around there. It was, Mark, uh, it was Mike Godfrey's first year, second year, something like – oh, no, no, okay. no, I'm sorry. It was the Foge. It was uh, Fogerino's last mm. year or two. Um, as a matter of fact, we gave the late Foge's wife a ride from Pittsburgh to Columbus that day. We drove her out. Oh, wow. That's crazy. Yeah, it is weird. Anyway. Okay. Listen, let's say this to wrap up the pit conversation. 
I've seen you getting a little loose. Pit basketball, ready to roll. Little thin on the on the uh, in the backcourt. Up front, ready to go. I saw you make your first pit tweet, and it was in honor <laughs> of our guy. You're getting Jeez. loose. I, <laughs> I don't care I, about your character count on Twitter. You must do it. Don't call him Fede. Say it right or don't say it at all. Federico, Federico. <laughs> If you, if I was sitting there in the peak watching practice and, and typing this out, and I'm like, Dave ain't gonna see this tweet. And I just kept, I just, and then you did. He's <laughs> all over it. I can't not tweet Federico, Federico. You must always call him Federico, Federico. All right, all right, fine, you know, they, fine. Remember the Steelers turned down being called America's team and they gave it to the Cowboys? Yeah. Pit basketball belongs to the world it is the world's team we have a representative from every corner of the big blue marble i can't Feels wait like. this season let's talk uh, let's talk some pro football though shall we sure. um we have you this is one of your areas of expertise and you know i dm with you periodically to see if, yeah. if what i'm seeing if an expert on your level sort of sees the same things and here's my big takeaway after another you know, watching that Oregon Washington shootout on Saturday and then some tepid pro football um, on Sunday. Would, should every NFL team and every college team that will be in need of a head coach do be moving heaven and earth to try and get Huskies offensive coordinator Ryan Grubb? Because this to me is the takeaway. If you have in 2023 a progressive young whiz calling your plays offensively, that is maybe more important than any position, including quarterback in the quarterback league. How say you? I, I think that y'all be selling a narrative that would not be living up to the hype. Uh, when you start, when you start looking at, uh, when you start looking at the actual things that make a good football team, listen, having good play callers, which is what people are looking for. They're looking for the new innovative mind and everything. It is it is nice to have, but if you aren't also stacked with talent, it does not matter. Like, I, I, I think that I, I've said this on Twitter the other day when I was talking with Josh Taylor of KDKA, but like, I, I think that offensive play calling is the most overrated aspect of football right now. Mm-hmm. And it's, partic- it's particularly because I think people look at it and they say, oh, that was a smart design because it worked. But like, meanwhile, if a, if there's three wide open wide receivers and the quarterback doesn't see any of them, even with a clean pocket and, and they and then they get sacked or they throw an interception, that's a dumb play call. Why was that called? I don't understand. And it's like, yeah, because you're you're being a fan. You're just going off of success and failure overall with overall with the play. OK, I, but I, wait, wait, wait. Let me let me let me sure. uh, jump in and say this. Sure. Yeah, pretty straightforward choices I'm about to give you here. Who's okay. more essential in this gangbusters Dolphins offense? Mike McDaniel or Tua? Who's more important in what the Niners are doing offensively? Brock Purdy or Kyle Shanahan? Who's more important with what the Lions are doing in 2023? And in the second half last season, Jared Goff or Ben Johnson, their OC? All right. I'll give you three answers here. For the Dolphins, it's Tyreek Hill. For the Niners, it's Christian McCaffrey. For the Lions, I will hmm. say Johnson's play calling is is rather special. I think Amon Ross St. Brown does a lot for that for for that offense, but that is that is a very balanced offense. And I might even think that that Johnson is the is the quote unquote best 
uh, play caller right now as far as OCs. But again, that's such a that's such a back and forth thing. It's such a such a subjective thing that I think changes week by week just based off of how your players are executing. But like, for example, Kyle Shanahan, genius offensive mind. You know, calls all the right plays, never makes mistakes. Christian McCaffrey comes out against the Browns, and then that offense looked putrid. And Brock Purdy looked very mm. human all of a sudden. And, and not to say that they can't ever not look human, but I think that there are a lot of things that make some of these best offenses go. One thing I think you see across the board, those offensive lines do pretty well. The you know, Frank Ragnow leads that leads the offensive line for the line. I think a- I think maybe that is the answer. Yes. If it's not OC. And even in this, even in 23, look at what Josh Allen and that Bills offense are doing. What's the mm-hmm. flaw there? They, they they don't feel as, you know, sort of unstoppable, I guess. The, best. the Eagles in the same way, you know, you, you see Jalen Hurts looking human and maybe that's owed to a slightly diminished, especially when Lane Johnson sits down for them. Right. That that line is probably a little less than where it was a year ago. I, you know, I, I've believed that forever, that especially in this millennium that, you know, Jared Goff, like, why does he look good some years and other years? He's he's thoroughly mediocre or worse. The quality of the offensive line, give him an extra beat um, of protection of uh, of a clean pocket. And most of those guys, 30 or 35 humans can make a play if you keep them clean on the pro gridiron. Is that I mean, that, that's right. But I still here. Here's a little bit more for you frank reich he's sort of like he's sort of in that in-between stage of like is he a dinosaur here you want a hot take the game has passed everyone from the 20th century by with the possible exception of andy Reid. there's a hot take for you right there how about this here's or maybe maybe if not at the in y2k maybe it was when in the nfc title game when the Rams and Saints were playing and that terrible P.I. wasn't called, maybe that collision (laughs) sort of like flipped the switch and it rendered Sean Payton and everyone from the preceding era powerless to do anything against the new guard of Sean McVay and all of his young guns that have risen up underneath him. How about that theory? Okay. Here's my theory to that. Like a wrinkle in the in the space-time continuum. Time. Like everything was the new big now. Bang. Right. Yeah. I think it, it's certainly there's certainly guys that have that that are looking good right now. But I, I think you got to see how this stuff plays out, you know, because this isn't the first first time that we've talked about offensive geniuses being the the new like that. Like you gotta find the new offensive guru. That's been going on for I want to say like 15 years. Everyone's been trying to find the next guy. But let's go back over like like everyone's feeling good about Mike McCarthy and the Dolphins right now and the and the Niners. Mike McDaniel, but look at your Freudian slip. Mike McCarthy's another one who goes on the scrap heap. Right, with yeah, Mike McDaniel. Right. By the way, don't let me forget. Don't let me forget. I also got to put Bill Belichick on there and maybe his guy, Josh McDaniels, too. But OK, no, right. Oh, but my and Bill is- O'Brien, another dinosaur. If you're of a certain age, it might just be ageist of me. I like my contemporaries. But- the game is passed by your contemporaries own football in 2023. But how about this? Let's let's just go over who's won the last several Super Bowls. Andy Reid, old guy. Sean McVay, young guy. Bruce Arians, old guy. Andy Reid, old guy. Bill Belichick, old guy. Doug Peterson, more of an older guy, not a not a younger guy. Okay. Uh, Bill Belichick, 
John Fox, Bill Belichick, Pete Carroll, John Harbaugh, Tom Coughlin, Mike McCarthy, Sean Payton, Mike Tomlin. Oh, look who's showing off. He can count out Super Bowl champions backwards. Good for you. But that's what I'm saying. But that's what I'm saying. You go. We're 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 looking at we're looking at these offensive minds. They're doing they're doing there's some guys that are doing some things well right now. But how long does this stuff pan out? Teams adjust to what you like to call. I think I look at those those rosters and I say, man, they're doing they're doing something well with these offenses that are working right right now. But, you know, Sean McVay, I'm very curious to see how the Rams go over the next few years, because Hmm. they basically sold sold their souls in all their free agent money. And now they're in a position where once Matt Stafford's done. They're going to need to hit some serious gold in the NFL draft to be able to stay afloat. But when 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 Stafford and Donald and those guys are gone, and, and you know Cooper, you might have Cooper Cup around, but you might need to trade Cooper Cup to get a serious high pick so you can try to rebuild your franchise. But I think it's one of those things where you know there's a classic saying: it's the Jimmys and the Joes, not the X's and the O's. And the X's and O's are important. Like I think that that's where people try to try to look at the game and say, "Oh, I want to come with this." This this nuanced take that's you know th- this play call was great and look there's some play calls that are great because they set guys up for favorable positions but what is most important at the end of the day and Chuck Knoll said this and I still think it rings true today you I'm can not coach with all- that name but <laughs> yeah, exactly oh, no oh, oh oh yeah I'm sorry go ahead I I, I'm, I got it now okay yeah. Uh, but but I thought you were joking. I apologize. Uh, but I, I was like, oh, I'm not familiar with Chuck Noll. But uh, but but my point is, is like Chuck Noll said years ago. He's like, listen, as coaches, we can put players in positions all they want. It's up to them to make the plays, mm-hmm. and that's what it comes down to. You look at you look at the situation that, the, that these teams have been in. You know, Patrick Mahomes and that offense. They were unstoppable. They were the most unstoppable offense in the world when Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, and that crew was all together. Now that Tyreek Hill's off of it, they're still good, but they're not nearly as unstoppable. Look at Tyreek with the Dolphins you put him on that on that offense with Jalen Waddle and that crew and now they have all these fast running backs with a decent offensive line and a good quarterback and Tua yeah Mike McDaniels doing a heck of a job there I think that there's a lot of that that goes across the board that yes play callers deserve credit for success of their other success of the units but failures so I think some people reach too far into the bit of that's purely on the play call when it's like man this play failed because this guy didn't get his job done. But ultimately, it is a, a coach's job to get their guys to understand their roles and to help them execute better. So I say all that to say, I think, again, play calling is the most overrated aspect mm. of what is deemed the biggest level of success in the NFL right now. And uh, I think it's ever growing. It's always cool to be innovative, but a lot of people, Matt Canada in Pittsburgh right now, people deem him the the worst offensive coordinator of all time. People call him and said he has a Saturday offense. Steve Smith said that. And a lot of people have repeated that since. Do people not know where Andy Reid's getting a lot of the wrinkles for his offense? It's from colleges on Saturday because that's what a, a lot of this is happening is, t- is teams are having to find new things that other NFL teams haven't adjusted to yet. That's where a lot of this is coming from. That's where the NFL, it's continues to turn things over. And the same plays are called all the time. Just In, 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 in fact, uh, Steelers fans were looking at two, two of the same plays uh, called by two different teams, the Niners and the Lions, just the week before last, where it was a reverse pass tight end wheel route where it got uh, Sam Laporta and George Kittle open down the sidelines for a mm-hmm. big play. And one Steelers fan was like, Matt Canada would never call that play. And then the person who stitched it together said, actually, uh, Matt Canada called this play a year ago against the Bengals. 
and technically was the first person that kind of ever called this concept that we that we can remember. So they might have actually stole it from him. And that's my whole thing is that I don't think Matt Canada's biggest problem is play calling for the Steelers right now. I think Matt Canada's biggest problem is he doesn't he doesn't know how to work with a young quarterback to get them to see the things that he wants them to see just yet. And that might change over time. But right now, I think that's their biggest struggle, at least in Pittsburgh. And I think. That's the biggest thing across the board. It isn't necessarily the plays you call. It's getting your players to grasp the plays that you call so they can execute. Here's my here's my critique of, of Matt Canna, but I, I do want to get into this, uh, sure. this town psychology or, I guess, uh, sociology of what's going on with the hatred of <laughs> this poor offensive coordinator guy. The most famous or infamous offensive coordinator, perhaps, in the history of people. It's gotten so weird. It's yeah. bizarre stuff. But specific, here's my critique, uh, given it to Carter, the the man responsible for Carter's critiques, um, is that I do feel like when you go back and you look at it, you're like, there's an open man there. A lot of those throws do ask a fair amount of the QB to see it, to 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 divine pre-snap, I'm going here with the ball, or seeing his read and understanding that that's where the ball, and delivering that throw. What I mean is you see a lot of easy throws, like guys in wide open spaces running free, and you don't see that as much with the Steelers. I plainly see Pickett miss guys 10 yards in his line of sight directly over the offensive line um, in the middle of the field often. He very often misses those in-breaking routes, 15-yard ins to Pickett. So they're wide open. And he just doesn't pull the trigger for some reason when the ball hits his hands. It's 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 a timing play where he hits his back foot and he would theoretically drill the ball to 14 and move the sticks and and and, and he misses those throws. But I do think Canada asks more of his young QB than some other OCs do. Is that fair at least? I think there's times that he does because he's not hitting the things that are over the middle. Like, for example, a lot of people in Pittsburgh were very upset about a fourth and one call where they didn't run the ball or do a quarterback sneak against the Texans late in that game. And they called a pass play. And why would you call a pass play? And they said that no one was even open, except when you went to the all 22, Connor Hayward was open two yards in front of the line of scrimmage for a first down uh, and would have gained a lot more than that. Calvin Austin was open in two seconds, you know, a little bit further down the field on a post rider post pattern. Najee Harris was open in the flat would have gotten a first down easily uh, if the ball had gotten there. And Kenny Pickett had time to see all of those. Instead, he ran outside of the pocket and got, got himself sacked in that play and got himself injured. And this is not to say Kenny Pickett's a, a bad quarterback. He's not playing well right now. I think he will shape out. I've covered Kenny Pickett all the way back through college. I think he's a heck of a player, but I think that you have to acknowledge that, Hey, these are easier plays over the middle. There was a play in fact against the Ravens. I think it was a third down that he got sacked on maybe in a second down, but there's a play where the thing that Pittsburgh often complains about on defense is, Oh man, like why is a line? Why are our linebackers covering a wide receiver? And sometimes it's just, that's what happens with alignment. Well, the Steelers got that on a big play where George Pickens was lined up against against Patrick Queen. And right off the bat, I'm like, oh, gosh, that should be a big play. Kenny Pickett doesn't even look his way. He holds onto the ball. He gets sacked. George Pickens was wide open in the middle part of the field after he just cooked the linebacker there. There are opportunities like that. Are they every play? No. But are they throughout the Steelers' plays that they can be converted? Yes, it is up to Matt Canada to get Kenny Pickett to see those moments, understand where they're going to come in his offense. That is where I think the real talent is of, of coordinators and coaches is making that bridging that gap, making that connection happen, less so of just drawing those things up. 
we see we see the the Niners kicker, a rookie who was all world, gets drafted, all that clutches could be in college, misses it in the big spot against the Browns on Sunday. Is Kenny is Kenny Pickett similarly in his own head at this point? You know, confidence is a thing. And I do think that Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes and cats like that who understand I'm empowered on a level that even pro quarterbacks generally aren't. They have a swagger like I'm going to keep on. I'm going to keep on shooting. You know, like there's nothing you can't spook me to to hold on to the ball and not try and squeeze it in there. I think Kenny Pickett is susceptible to like this isn't going so well and I'm letting everybody down. Do you get that sense? I get the sense that Kenny Pickett is a winner. And when he's not winning, he is only focused on trying to do that. And sometimes that can let the cart come before the horse in, in some of his plays. There's, some, there's times I think that he is trying to see something that isn't necessarily there instead of taking what is there. And I think that's where some of his biggest problems happen. And I, I, I'll i point it out during Steelers games, and Steelers fans will get mad at me. They'll be like, you hate Kenny Pickett. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, Kenny and I have a good relationship. Like, I, Kenny and I have done good interviews where he's given me great stuff on things where I wasn't even writing about him per se. So, like... I, I look I look at that. I look at that and I think like, man, like, again, people just getting temperamental because their favorite player, their favorite team isn't doing well. But just being honest, evaluating and looking at it. I think, Kenny, there's times he stares down his receivers too much. But that happens when you're a young quarterback still understanding how things work in your offense. I think what's, what the, what's going to determine if Kenny Pickett grows from that is if he keeps working at it like he does. And that's one thing the Steelers say his work, I think, is not the issue in Pittsburgh right now. It's going to take him time to to start putting it all together. Can he? I think he can. You look at the end of that Ravens game. Things hadn't clicked all uh, clicked all game. All of a sudden, Allen Robinson, George Pickens, and then George Pickens for a bomb. And he's able to move move the sticks. He's able to make those big plays. And that's the second straight time he's played the Baltimore Ravens, a good defense, by the way, and led a last-minute touchdown drive to give the Steelers a late lead and a fourth-quarter comeback win. He has that in him. He just has to make it more consistent. I've seen him make his play more consistent in college. If he could do that in the pros, that can be – when you could do it late, that shows me that there's a potential of you doing that in the pros. And if he does that in the pros, right. that can make the world of a difference. Boy, I, I said it last week on this show. You know, Clayton Kershaw famously underperforms based on the uh, on the level of performance that he delivered through the majority of his regular season Hall of Fame career. Kenny Pickett is is the weirdest of all things in this. We love to we love to create the idea of guys being clutch and clutch is in fact just maintaining your level when it gets hot. Kenny right. Pickett weirdly is better. I mean in terms of numbers and otherwise. I mean he outperforms his standard level when it gets hottest. And that's, so, I don't know how much you can embrace that because at this point it kind of feels anecdotal sample size is kind of small. But then on the other hand, how many times do we need to see it come out when he's put in that spot and he delivers? So I think that there is some cause for optimism on that count. I think that the Matt Canada reaction is weird in Pittsburgh. Um, I've been talking about this for a few weeks now. I don't think there's ever been an offensive coordinator as talked about, not just in a city. I'm talking about nationally now. Everybody knows who the offensive coordinator of the Pittsburgh Steelers is. Very strange. And I think this comes from what I'm talking about. And I think you're to blame for it on some level. You put on social media 
your fancy X and O's and like, look, let me tell you who's to blame on why this play actually failed. And then you get other smarty pants like Alan Saunders on there or Kaboli and you guys <laughs> all like, oh, no, no, you don't get football. I think it's available to everybody, the all 22. And there are a lot of these advanced analytics people who I think another weird move is as a side note is when they show a great play call or a special play by a player and they and they do the thing where they pretend like they're sexually aroused by it. Like, oh, my God, I'm drooling about that play call. Like, OK, chill out. Anyhow, um, I think everybody, the 21st century, everybody has to feel like they're an expert because everybody is everybody's a narcissist. And so their opinion counts as much as everybody else's does. And they have to tell you what the score is. And just as my father and that generation would, the solution to everything was like, put in the backup QB is that's what everybody would, would want. You know, like Bradshaw don't got it no more. They got to put in Cliff Stott, you know, Cliff <laughs> Stott can do it, dude. I think if we give him a shot, they got, they got to get Mark Malone out of there. dude. Scott Campbell's the man. Like, all right. The backup isn't the panacea that you think it is, everybody. But now everybody's thing is to just blame the coordinator because there are a few clever play callers out there. We need one of those on our team. Does that stand to reason to you? Is that my hypothesis? Check out. I agree, but I mean, I, I don't think that quarterback thing's gone away. I mean, did you hear the crowd chanting for Kenny Pickett's name after four games of Mitch Trubisky and Pitt? I cover Pitt football right now. They, they they were chanting for Christian Veyer after after a game or two. And granted, Christian Veyer just won his first start, so maybe they were right about that one. But that's still very much a thing. But especially with offensive coordinators, I mean. Pittsburgh offensive coordinator is one of the roughest jobs to have as far as getting critiqued in Pittsburgh. Bruce Arians was hated by the time he ended his time in Pittsburgh. I checked through some of those over the year. I, I went through in my head all the OCs I could summon and listed out about like five or six guys. And I could I, I viscerally remember that everybody hated him in 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 uh, in town. I mean, people said that his wide receiver screens were dumb. This was dumb. That was dumb. And it was just like people man. like Chan Gailey. People like Chan for a little bit. I don't even bit. know if he was called well because yeah, was he calling the plays in '95 and '30? Was he the OC? I don't think he was. I think it was still uh, Wiz at that point. Anyhow, but yes, the but the larger point is is that everybody everybody hates every offensive coordinator. I guess is uh, I think it was, was Earhart. Earhart did it. Did it. Uh, Ron Earhart the Super Bowl did Super Bowl Thirty run, and then Gailey took over. With the like the, the start of the, the Stewart era, then there was Ray Sherman, Kevin That's Gilbride. Right. Ray Mike Sherman Mularkey. was one of the worst. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Ray Sherman was pretty bad. Mike <laughs> Mularkey, I thought was pretty inventive back in the yeah. young days of Slash and Heinz Ward, and then a little bit of Antoine Randall. He had three quarterbacks running the offense. Um, you know, but uh, but yeah, so uh, Mike Mularkey. But I mean, you look at it, Bruce Arians. I, even though his offense was was part of what helped Ben Roethlisberger start to come into himself a little bit, uh, he was hated by the time he, he was there, and then he was ousted. Uh, you know, you know, and he was sent out. Todd Haley came in. People hated Todd Haley until the killer bees emerged. And truthfully, like I remember people calling for Todd Haley's head, and then all of a sudden they realized, oh wait, just just throw it to eighty four. That Antonio Brown mm-hmm. guy is pretty good. Just hand it off to that Le'Veon Bell guy. He's pretty good. And then. Uh, it was it was you know it was good from there from, from then on. But then by the end of it, people were like, "Ah, this offense is not good enough. Let's let Ben call the plays," which is essentially what happened when Randy Feekner took over. And then Randy Feekner was hated, even though everyone acknowledged when Randy Feekner was promoted from quarterback coach to coordinator, this was just Ben's offense. This is what Ben wanted to do. And- right? Once you reach once you reach QB emeritus 
uh, status, then you just get to have a caddy. Like, I mean, right. Nate Hackett, I, what, what's he? He's a, he's like a, he's the, the hacky uh, movie quote guy from 19, uh, quoting movies from the last millennium and, and Aaron <laughs> Rodgers can't get enough of it. Beyond that, though, I don't know that he's actually doing anything to help the New York Jets along the way here. But yeah, I, I get that. But yes. But, but but think about this, too, because for all the the everyone's excited about Shanahan and McDaniel and that. Think of all the Cliff Kingsbury's. Think of all the uh, uh, the Nathaniel Hackett's and how he was. You know, he, he looked terrible, terrible in Denver. There's been so many of those coaches that they've tried and whiffed on that we just forget over the years. Josh McDaniels is another perfect example of that. How many times has he got, gotten a chance and just looked utterly miserable at, at, at being a, a head coach in the in the NFL? You know, I think again, I think that you're right. This is just the thing that everyone thinks it's cool and suave and smart to yell about because yelling at yelling at your quarterback and it's it's easy to yell at those guys because you don't buy their jerseys. You're you don't get hyped when Kenny Mike Cannon doesn't throw the touchdown to George Pickens. I but I think the, the other side of that coin is too is that it's unsatisfying on some level. It's cool like the thing that I always felt was vaguely soulless, if you're a Patriots fan of, of the 20-year dynasty, it was cool to root for Brady and everything else, mm-hmm. but you didn't know if it was Brady because you knew the six-round pick, so he probably, he's not high pedigree, so he can't be it. It's got to be Belichick. He's the wizard who's making this all happen, and if that, in fact, was the case, it's like, Yay, we coach good. That's not fun for a fan to root for right. or against. I don't think it's easy to say get rid of that guy, but it's also underwhelming for the in the name of spirit and enthusiasm. Like Mike McDaniel's coach is better than our your team does. Like, right. We, we want the stud. Like we everybody wants to cheer for Patrick Mahomes or the superhero uh players, not for the coaches. I I've held you up way too long, and I had fun You're stuff fine. I wanted to get to with you. I have to ask you this because I don't know when we're going to be kibitzing again and it's while it's being recorded. The other side of the coaching coin okay. here in the third century of the 21st millennium. My issue with Mike Tomlin, as I jump into complaining about the <laughs> coaching, here's mm-hmm. my issue. I, 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 the, the, the jive about, dude, they should get me. Tomlin, he's a bomb, dude. They don't win no playoff games or nothing, you know? failing to understand the context of where the Steelers were starting. If you start the clock, when Roethlisberger hurts his elbow to now, Mm -hmm. like that, you have to understand where the franchise is. And the fact that they never had a losing record amidst all that and made the playoffs and Roethlisberger's last season, those are achievements that stand out and everything doesn't have to feel like the great success. If it doesn't end in a Lombardi, those were successful years, given the context of where the team was that said, this is the year where I put my foot down in my brain and, and, and set it into a microphone too. This is the year where the team gets ripe. They don't have to go to the Super Bowl. This is a loaded up AFC, but they do need to get to 10, 11, 12 wins and show and feel like a team that over the next three years, which is the sweet spot, pick it on his rookie deal and all that. Um, this is the Steelers must cash in. And I don't know what that even means. Does it mean that it has to end in Lombardi? I don't know about that, but they have to play on a different level. And as it is, 
still, and the Ravens game being the most recent, and I loved it. And I loved when the Steelers made that playoff run with Roethlisberger beating every team 12 to 11 week after week mm-hmm. in, in, a, in a sport that now everybody who's good scores 28 or more on, on average, that the Steelers can turn you into a knuckleball, every game into a knuckleball type of game. But is it ultimately a winning method to play that tight? to not have your foot on the gas in game in short yardage situations in favor of turning it over to the D to get a big stop. Don't you have to, on some, on some level, be a little more aggressive than he, it seems is philosophically inclined to be. I think there's times to be aggressive and Mike Tomlin used to be aggressive when he had the offense to be aggressive with people forget he was the one that mainly pushed the competition committee to say, hey, let's make this two-point conversion rule a little bit simpler uh, that you got to kick from a little further out to encourage people to want to go for two-point conversions because the Steelers used to go for two-point conversions all the time. When he had Ben Roethlisberger and Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown and that top five offensive line, they were going for it a lot more. They were being more aggressive. But when you don't have the guys, you don't do that. You just Yeah, you, but he's overcorrecting, though. And, and even in... The, you know, last year in the first half of the season, there were moments where it's like, you can't rely on the defense without TJ Watt. And yet he was still trying to do exactly that. It's like, you must get more aggressive in this game. There isn't a ton of evidence existing now that you are going to be able to, that you're going to be able to win two or more likely three postseason games against good teams playing at nip and tuck like that one score games week after week you're gonna get got somewhere along the way oh no I agree the Steelers need to be able to win by more and there's times I think Mike Tomlin could be more aggressive at right now but I think that that there's also a, you know a reasonable look at well, what's your personnel right now are you gonna win with the defense and yes early on last year when it was TJ Watt Sure, that was the uh, the, when TJ Watt was out. That was that you know that was there were times that maybe you could have taken a few more risks. But since then, what was what was their record last year with TJ Watt? What was it seven and two? You know they 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 were pretty they were pretty good when he was on the field, and that was because they were they were leaning into that conservative style of play. Because I think Week One showed you the formula, and when you saw Tomlin, this is way back to Week One in 2022 when he's in the locker room post game, he was like, "This is how we're gonna." We're going to undo the NFL, what everyone else in the NFL wants to do. What you just saw us do to Joe Burrow and company, we're coming for you next. And then TJ Watt is done and like the whole thing got scuttled. I just don't know if it's sustainable. I think that it's it's again, it's part of where the Steelers, like you said, where the Steelers are at. You go back like people often talk about that playoff drought. The Steelers had 15 straight drives where they either they, they had the ball where either they were down by a possession or tied against opponents in the playoffs during that stretch of non-playoff winningness where 15 straight drives where they didn't get a single point. And that was with Ben Roethlisberger. That was with aggressively going forward on fourth downs. That was with the, that came down to quarterback play, not executing what was, what was there. And there were plenty of opportunities there. Their, their last playoff win was when Le'Veon Bell rushed for over 200 yards and Ben Roethlisberger didn't turn it into a single touchdown. They had to win by field goals and great defense. I think Mike Tomlin is getting the Steelers through this era now where they have to completely rebuild the offensive line. You see them working on that. It's getting a little bit better. It's taking its time, just like it all 
always does, just like it did in the early 2010s when they got Pouncey and DeCastro and Gilbert. And then Foster was able to build in with Villanueva and that crew. That took time to build, just like they're doing right now with Sayomalu, with Broderick Jones, with James Daniels. They're trying to build something there. I bet you that they draft a high for offensive lineman the next time, the next rounder, the next draft or so. Kenny Pickett's a young quarterback. They've got a lot of young playmakers on the offense. I think this offense is finding itself, but the only way that they're going to be able to win while while they're finding themselves, if they, if they don't make make a lot of big plays, they got to trust their defense is going to be the key playmakers. And they have been. I think the Steelers have won more games than any team in the NFL when holding a team by, by holding a team to less than 20 points in, in a game. And yes, that, that can't be counted on to take you to a Super Bowl down the line. But while your offense isn't clicking, that's how you're going to have to win right now. And I think that's all Mike Thomas is getting them through is this era. Do they need to find the answers on offense? Absolutely. And I'm of the opinion if like, like this year, like you said, this needs to be the year where they find the foundation to step forward with with Kenny Pickett, with this offense. And if they don't, they need to start looking for other answers. And I think after this year, let's say, let's say they missed the playoffs again this year. This will be the second year in a row they missed the playoffs. This would when I would start to be, if I'm the Rooney's being like, all right, can Mike Tomlin lead us to that promised land still? Or do we need to have this conversation after another year? I wouldn't fire him after this year if it doesn't happen. But I would look at look at the situation and say, okay, what's happening? Because this is the first year that I've been like, hey, you know what? This was here. This was here schematically, and the Steelers needed to be prepared for these things, and they and they weren't. I agree. again rebuilding processes. They naturally happen. They challenge you all the time. They, they challenge you to kind of build through it. Bill Cowher went through them and was terrible. And, you know, when they went six and 10, seven and nine, they had multiple losing seasons, uh, you know, three, three of the three losing seasons in, in that span. It took them time to get to where they were. I think Mike Tomlin, you see the great coaching come into play where they don't, they don't get to six and 10 and seven and nine. They stay above that. But when they get the guys, that's what they have to do is see if they can get the guys who can, who can come together, create that offense. So now, you are scoring 24, 27, 30 points in games while the defense is also playing at this great at that great level. If you get that, then you are among the best in the NFL and maybe even better than some of the, the offenses that are the teams that are just offenses turning up and down all, all game all game long. I think that is what the future of the Steelers envision is having that great defense with finally an efficient offense. I but think to, people you, you got to get there first. I hear you. I. I, I mean, I said it in front of August, and I can't believe so many people, including media members, were seduced by what they saw in August. Who cares what the Steelers offense did in August? I was confident that this was that the team was ready to roll and really push teams around this year. And maybe I got over my skis and thought they were going to arrive in week one or week two. Maybe the spin on this, the optimistic spin is, that they have played the, I mean, look at the defenses they've gone up against so far. I mean, the Texans with the Miko Ryans doing some special stuff down there. You can make some excuses that gets them off the hook for the early season performance. They are three and two, they're two and zero oh in division. I think there is a chance, but I am fascinated to see what happens between now and that last trio of games. That'll be really rugged Bengals in Pittsburgh at at Seattle and then at Baltimore. So they really got to make some hay if they want to be a playoff team and they want to progress. Um, I just thought they would arrive a little sooner. And so I think people are vexed. I'm speaking for a lot of people who are hand-wringing about this because three and two is fine. Um, it's pretty good if you look at the standings. They're in fine shape. It's just not where people anticipated them being. Okay, I'm going to let you go. Two fast questions, though. Offensive coordinator of the Steelers in 2024. 
man, that could that could be a whole lot of people. It won't if if the Steelers offense is not ranked at least 14th in the NFL, it won't be Matt Canada. And right now they're ranked like 30th. So there's that. One, two. I told you I was going to ask you this. Michael Kane retired uh, formally over the weekend. Eddie Spaghetti, I need your thoughts on this too. You can have one career. And also, I guess it's the same question. Yeah, it's not your career because then that involves like where the movies were shot. Whose movies? You can only watch one guy's movies for the rest of your life. And you can never see the other guy's movies ever again. Michael Caine or Gene Hackman. Gene Hackman's 93 and also retired. The two this greatest is- character actors of the last, what, half century? Whose career would you rather have? I'm going to let Spaghetti go first on this one. Okay, Eddie, get a chance one. to think. Um, I would probably lean Michael Caine right now. Because why? Give me your favorite Caine picture. Oh, well, he's in most of Nolan stuff, um, except for this, the except for uh, Oppenheimer is like really the first one. So that's a big one. And then obviously that includes the Batman films. So um, I, I think like Michael Caine was still peaking late in his career where I feel like Gene Hackman hasn't really done much of anything for about. I don't think 20, he's made a movie in 20 years. Yeah, I think exactly. literally he hasn't made a movie in 20 years. Yeah, so know, I'm going Caine. There was not a movie made from about the time I was like maybe eight until I was maybe 48 that that one of those two guys wasn't in one of the movie was wasn't in that movie there was not not a movie made carter how say you i think this is this is a landslide it's gene hackman all day like let's 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 start let's let's go movie for movie you have the greatest okay. car chase scene of all time in the french connection you never get to watch that again if you if you if right. you say bye you say bye bye gene hackman poseidon adventure classic disaster movie one of the more classic ones ever uh you know, you know the titanic before titanic right Young Frankenstein. I can't ever laugh at, at, at Mel Brooks' Young Frankenstein ever again. You kidding me? I'm, I, I, I got to do that. The Superman movies. Yes, the Nolan movies are great. But you mean Gene Hackman is still the greatest Lex Luthor of all time. I, I mean, this, like all this collective intelligence and you think they know how to operate a door. Like, like just the stuff like that that he did. He was hilarious, but also maniacal as, as Lex Luthor in, in those movies. Refuse to movies. shave. Refuse to shave his head. Refused. Yeah, that was also pretty Famously. funny. Famously, Hoosiers. It's. It, I think it's. It's become overrated in its lore, but it's still a classic, great sports basketball movie right. uh, that that people can leave on. Mississippi Burning, classic, classic movie about about racism in, in the South. Crimson Tide with Denzel Washington. Just the banter back and forth between cop. those. Exactly. That was that was amazing. Uh, Enemy of the State with Will with Will Smith. I loved one of my favorite spy movies when it comes to that action. There's just movie after movie after movie. Oh, and my yes. God. Spaghetti. This is a landslide. This when when we build this, when we promote this show, it should be <laughs> Chris Carter and Eddie Murphy debate who had the better career. I mean, everybody's going to have to see like who got Eddie Murphy to get. And Chris Carter together to to have this debate landslide victory. I gotta say, spaghetti fair's fair. Royal like I, the characters. First of also all, the downhill, ra- downhill racer is a gem. Crimson Tide is a fun gem. You can never turn it off if you land on it. He played Royal Tannenbaum. Harry Zim from Get yeah. Get Shorty, one of his great oh, little, great character. Little Bill and Unforgiven. Look at me. Look at me, Jimmy. <laughs> also, uh, uh. uh uh, the the firm, his character with Tom Cruise. I love the firm. One of his great Listen, turns. Senator Bryce. Senator Bryce in No Way Out. No he Way had, Out is a great movie. 
Yeah. I'm sorry. This is the Lance. I love Michael Caine. Did great stuff. Loved him in Miss Congeniality, but he was always a B character. The Reverend in Poseidon Adventure. He's a priest in a turtleneck saving lives. He saves Borg Nine. What more do you want, Spaghetti? You love the movie uh, Children of Men, and Michael Caine's in that too. So you lose That's that movie. That's right. Yeah. Okay, wait. That under. Oh, yeah. No, I love. Right. It's, I guess they're both great. I guess that's the answer. They're hey, listen, great. this was great. Good times, Chris Carter. I wanted to do a what if spaghetti. I was going to do me and Carter. We're going to go back and forth on a Baker Mayfield what if. Um, That would have been really fun to do. But we've gone on too long. So we're going to cut it off here. Chris Carter. Let's come back and do that one at a later date. Um, What I mean, fun. Here we go. Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. You read his words. Locked on Steelers. You hear his words. And uh, on Friday nights, along with Jenna Harner on WPXI 11, Skylights, high school football, you can watch his work. Oh, he's doing it all. He's making Pittsburgh sports scene that much better, bringing a little sunshine to some of the doom and gloom going on on the banks of the Three Rivers. Let's do that uh, angel and devil thing soon, eh? Absolutely. It'll be a lot of fun. There he goes, everybody. Chris Carter. Check him out. And now a quick break. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code FIRSTTAKE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more, more than, than ever. ever. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to gamble responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. This U.S. promotional offer not available in D.C., Mississippi, North Carolina, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369 for New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. For Massachusetts, 1-800-327-5050. For Iowa, 1-800-BETS-OFF. For Puerto Rico, 1-800-981-0023. For West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. First bet offer for new customers only, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. All right, great stuff there from uh, from Carter, right? Good uh, good first run there. He did mention Mr. Lister, but properly, this was his first visit to minus three spaghetti. I thought it was a strong turn. It was great uh, up until naming uh, Gene Hackman movies that nobody's ever heard of from like the 70s and 80s. And you're going never against heard of going against. I mean, you're going to go against the quality of movie. I mean, anything with Christopher Nolan is going to beat out. So I, I, I'll going to beat out the French connection. You never have heard of Doyle. I mean, uh, I, I can go through all his, the prestige oh, and, and Dark Knight and Inception. And you know, I mentioned to you Children of Men and Interstellar and Dunkirk. We'll, get, we'll turn Too to many Hench. good movies. Too many We're going to turn to Hench for a final answer on this later okay. in the week. Is that fair? That's fine. Yeah. We'll do that. Okay. Oh, by the way, thanks to everybody for once again watching the 15-minute pregame show, doing great stuff on social media. We appreciate your help with that. And we appreciate you subscribing 
on the YouTube page that uh, belongs to the Extra Points Podcast Network. Please track it down, subscribe, give a look around there. I think you'll like what you find. And if you don't, then you send it to your biggest enemies and tell them to watch it. And then they just waste a whole afternoon, you know, and then you get the last laugh. Sounds good, doesn't it? All right, we'll be back on Thursday. Meantime, check out all the great content on the Extra Points Network, including Waiver Wired with Eddie Spaghetti and Jen Piacenti coming at you on Tuesday. Until Thursday, thanks so much, sports fans. It's been a thin slice of heaven.